Welcome to the Exit Insights podcast. Today, I've got a guest with me, Tim Cornell. I've known Tim for a number of years, and Tim is one of the best coaches, consultants, business strategists that I've met. Most One of the most professional guys out there working in this field. And I think what makes Tim so good is his background and experience that's so, so broad and, and in so many areas. He's been through a number of exits himself as an employee, and now he's working with mid-market businesses to help them develop their businesses and make them scalable. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thanks, Daryl. Great to have you on board. Now, Tim, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience and just give us a bit of a background around what it is you're working on now, and and we'll start from there. Okay, thanks. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I run a firm and we exist to help entrepreneurs build scalable businesses. Uh, Why scalable? Because if you set out to build a scalable business, then the chances are that you'll build a business that will help you realize the outcomes that you want one day. It'll be in good shape and you'll be able to realize different options with it. Uh, My background is really in media, marketing services, data analytics, uh, and also as an entrepreneur. So I've been on the full entrepreneurial journey from startup uh, all the way through to uh, building a business on three continents and exiting it. Um, I've also been through exit from a number of other perspectives. So uh, as an employee, uh, as an advisor, uh, as a founder, uh, and also as an equity investor. So I've seen it from a number of different points of view. And I'm delighted to be here and hopefully uh, share some of that experience. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about, Tim. So um, so we can basically do three podcasts in one here by the sounds. One is an equity investor, one is an employee, and one is a founder. Yeah. So... If, if, if that's all right with you, what I'd like to do is focus on those three areas. And, and let's start on the employee area. What was your experience and, and, you know, of the whole exit process when the founders of the business were, were you know, going through exit? When did you find out as an employee? Uh, when the beers started disappearing from the fridge, interestingly. Um, and I say that in all sincerity. Uh, there were signals around the business that something had suddenly changed. And, uh, and that quite quickly became unsettling, interestingly, um, because there was clearly something going on culturally uh, that wasn't explained. Um, and as it became apparent that there were discussions going on, uh, which we'll now call an exit, but at the time, uh, it wasn't really clear what the precise nature of them was to us all as employees. It just felt as if somebody was sort of breaking up the family. You know, and uh, and the future that that we'd all envisioned working in this firm was suddenly in doubt. You know, and uh, and I will always remember how uh, unsettling that felt. You know, and that the culture that we'd all bought into uh, was suddenly at risk. It or possibly even devalued. You know, it was possibly well, this has been great, um, but perhaps something else is going to happen now. And that's always stayed with me, that sense of just how unsettling it could feel uh, if an exit situation uh, becomes known in a firm, uh, sort of indirectly or by default rather than by design. Um, so some valuable lessons there. So were there any announcements uh, that, that sort of, you know, apart from, you know, all of a sudden the beer fridge was empty? There were, and again, interestingly, uh, they didn't really go to plan. So I remember at the time 
that the uh, the owner of the business stood up and introduced this business advisor who was clearly helping with the exit process in some fashion. But in precisely what fashion wasn't made clear. Instead, they were introduced as a friend of the business. And interestingly, the advisor stood up. And the first thing he said was, well, I just want to make clear I'm completely impartial and I'm not a friend of the business. <laughs> so, so it was a bit awkward, you know, and it just, again, contributed to this sense of, crikey, there were sort of rolling down a hill here, but has anybody got a hold of the steering wheel? You know, and uh, and what's at the bottom and how steep's the slope? So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, as an employee, a lot of lessons there are about uh, the timing and nature of communication, for sure. Yeah, and, and we all know that employees talk and uh, they don't always talk and share everything with the owners. So after that experience, what sort of things happened in, in the employee hub? What sort of conversations were going on? What sort of feelings? Uh, you know, how did they react, basically? Well, yeah, just rife speculation. You know, um, and day to day, it just became there were sort of two parallel things going on. You know, one was this unknown track of lots of conversations, lots of signals around the business, um, and the other was trying to do and concentrate on business as usual. Yeah. And uh, and I guess the more junior you were, and in that context back then, I was junior. You know. Um, paradoxically it was easier to focus on what you were doing on the one hand because you were at a junior level and you know largely sort of concerned with delegated tasks um on the other hand it was particularly unsettling because you probably knew as little as there was to know um and uh suddenly your sort of career and the steps on that career and things were being put into doubt so yeah I, I recall, you know, the overriding sense was just of uncertainty, of it feeling unsettling um, and uh, I'm wondering what it was all about, really. And I guess a bit of fear thrown in there as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And we, we all know the power of the grapevine. And, and when we don't know something, we make it up. And if we're making up a story, it's, it's usually the worst possible outcome. So uh, I'm guessing a lot of that was going around the business. Yeah. And, and of course, these are all powerful emotions, aren't they? You know, and and, uh, uh, and so that fuel becomes self-serving, you know, if we're not careful. So, you know, I wouldn't want to overstate it, you know, in retrospect. I just recall, you know, strongly how unsettling it was and also how out of control the process felt to me as an employee, you know, through just uh, an absence, I think, of a well thought through communication plan at the time yeah as i perceived it yeah and and often what happens in that situation is we don't know where we feel where we're treated like mushrooms as the old proverbial left in the dark and fed on manure and when we don't know stuff we make stuff up so what i've seen in happen in other organizations is you get a number of employees and it's typically the employees you don't want to leave because you know, they're the most talented, tend to go, well, I don't know what's going on. I have uncertainty, so I need to look after myself. And they tend to leave and move on to other roles. Did, you know, you're nodding, so I'm guessing you saw and experienced a bit of that. Yeah, and it's also a risk that I'm aware of when I speak to business owners, actually. But, you know, staying in the employee domain, yes, you know, you start to see a bit of that. And, of course, if competitors get wind that this is going on, you know, and particularly if you're in a market where there's high competition for talent and, you know, uh, that was as true then as it is today, 
then you know the risk is that the competitors will start phoning up speculatively you know and or their agencies and representatives and just sounding people out you know yeah. if people your best people are slightly more unsettled than they were prior to the whole process and that's the risk you run and of course it's those very people that you need to stay in the business in order to deliver the future that's going to present the owners with the options that they want you know so um you know, those issues are important you know in the process and that whole communication piece becomes very important i think okay so you have that experience as as a as a younger guy by the sounds of it you move on well everything's younger than today isn't it to state the obvious <laughs> You move on in your career and, and you find yourself in a founder's role. So, and you've exited that business as a founder. Can you take us through that story and, and how you did things differently based on what you learned uh, as an employee going through that experience? Yeah, um, so uh, there was quite a lot of time between those two experiences. Um, as a founder, I think one of the big insights for me is just how different the emotions are. You know, the, the emotion going through this as the founder of a business, uh, you know, that, that felt very different indeed. It felt very exciting. And the, the analogy I would use was, it was a bit like being in mission control of NASA, you know, when there's a sort of lunar landing uh, about to happen or you're trying to land a probe, you know, there's, a, there's the prospect of, of achieving some sort of exit that, that is going to deliver the outcome that, that we all wanted. Uh, and uh, it was about actually gathering, you know, a team of specialists together who could bring that about, you know, who could, in inverted commas, land that outcome. And it felt, you know, very exciting. It felt uh, somewhat all-consuming. Um, and, uh, and, and curiously, it felt both like an end and a beginning. You know, it felt sort of the, the end of a phase that we had anticipated really right from the start. You know, we'd, we'd founded the business on the premise that, you know, we would look for a, you know, probably some sort of uh, exit or exit opportunity or capital event, you know, sort of four-ish years in, something like that. And, uh, and that's what came to pass. But that also then opened up the prospect of, well, what happens the other side of that event? You know, and is that a new beginning? Is that a next phase that, that uh, we all would be involved in or not, you know, and, and, and that was interesting because in my case, uh, it wasn't actually that the business pivoted into a different uh, market. And that wasn't a market where I had any particular uh, experience or value to add. So for me, um, that, that uh, became an exit, you know, in all senses of the word. Um, for others on the team, they carried on. So it's quite an interesting uh, pivot point really both for the business but also for us as the founders uh, and from an emotional point of view from a sort of relationship yeah. to the business and each other point of view yeah. and just to pick up on one part of what you shared there as you said it was all all consuming does that mm. suggest that it took a whole lot more time than you're expecting oh yeah um and the other thing that we did was you know we bought in uh, certainly a specialist fd to actually help us through that process um so yes it's a it's a lot more time consuming than than we were expecting and again as an advisor i've seen that as well um you know that, i think that's one of the big watch outs with the yeah. whole exit process that it can become all consuming yep. uh it can become 
you know, energetically quite rewarding. It's almost like a new toy. You know, you've got this new sort of whole exercise to go through, you know, with a potentially exciting outcome at the end of it. Um, and uh, that carries some risks as well, you know, and the risks that that carries are ones of distraction, yep. you know, from business as usual, um, uh, really, uh, and also absence to the rest of the team, you know, from business as usual. So in terms of the availability and visibility of some of the members of the leadership team in a business, you know, they can suddenly, you know, disappear partially or even completely from view, depending on the context and the exit strategy being pursued. Um, but if, for example, you know, as was uh, one case that I was involved in where the acquisition involved a trade sale to a much larger entity, that itself was subject to many more compliance uh, demands than the business that they were acquiring. So, you know, an SME being acquired by a corporate, for example, um, you know, that can become really demanding for the SME because they're being asked to provide information on all sorts of dimensions that they're probably relatively ill-prepared for, yeah. you know, but and the corporate can swamp them with resources and demands for information and so on. And, uh, and the risk there is that if, if that then doesn't go through, then potentially you've got a, you know, a big hole, for example, in new business acquisition in the, in the business because the senior team have been distracted for the last end months, potentially. Yeah, I think that's uh, potentially a, a big gotcha and, and, and a massive tip that you've just uh, slipped in there is that, yeah, it can become all time consuming, but the owners still have the responsibility for ensuring that the business delivers its current business plan or goals or forecasts in whatever format they may be. They can't let this distraction take their eyes off the ball too much and yeah. not deliver the results because that will impact their eventual exit price and uh, valuation of the business. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to uh, keep, keep their eyes on the ball. And, and that's a, a great tip, Tim. So you've been through the process now by, as, by this stage as an employee and an invest, a founder. Mm -hmm. Learned a whole lot along the way as a journey. Now you're an investor in the business. You're in a business. So talk us through that one. Yeah, and that's interesting again, because depending on the context of your investment, I mean, I was an equity investor, but if, you know, with the risk that goes with that, you know, I had, in my context, I had uh, little or no control, actually, over, over the conduct of the exit strategy, or indeed the decision to go ahead or not. Um, so again, we're in a, you know, almost a blend of the two different sets of emotions that I've described so far, you know, as the sort of employee in the sense that you don't really have any control over what's going on. Uh, but this time as an investor with, um, you know, with a stake in the business and therefore with, um, you know, with a heightened interest in terms of the, uh, of the outcome of the exit strategy. And uh, um, so a blend of excitement at the prospect of being able to realize a return on the investment that I'd made um, and a sense that uh, actually you know that was completely dependent on the decisions of others mm. and um, you know obviously some of that is contextual to the individuals involved but nevertheless uh, as an investor um, you know again it felt quite uh, 
uncertain in my particular context. Um, as I say, blended with the excitement that, that I could achieve the return on investment that I was looking for when I invested in the business in the first place. Yeah. And did this business that you're invested in, did it have a board where you could influence uh, shareholder um, desires? Uh, how did that work? Well, it did. And in fact, um, uh, you know, I was uh, on the board of the business. Um, but, you know, you come to realize that exit is actually a highly emotive um, event, you know, and, uh, and there is a difference. Uh, and again, depending on the individuals, but, you know, between being the owner of a business and being the director of a business, you know, and the owners of the business relate back to the very first day when they remember setting up in the, you know, in the garden shed or the, around the kitchen table or whatever it is, you know, um, with all that. Oh, sorry. I think uh, my printer just decided to switch off. With all that goes with that, you know, and um, uh, and of course that stirs very strong emotions. So uh, another insight is that as the prospect of an exit uh, approaches, that is a very emotionally powerful event, you know, and I think it can trigger some emotional reactions that maybe even the principles involved wouldn't have anticipated, yeah. you know, in advance. Um, and I think that that's something else that people thinking about an exit, looking ahead at the prospect of an exit, um, a good advisor, I think, will prepare them for that, you know, and to say, look, are you really sure that you want to let go of this baby that you've nurtured for the last 10 years, you know, and grown and been a pivotal part of? Um, or in another context, it might be, you know, are you prepared to have a boss for the first time in your life for a, yeah. you know, a number of years? Um, and these are all questions uh, that on the surface might seem you know relatively easy to answer but in my experience they need some very very careful thought because there's a difference between just answering them casually around a meeting room table or you know at night uh, in in conversation with a life partner it's another thing when it comes to actually putting the pen to paper and you know and making that commitment yeah and, and as I say, I think the emotions that can get stirred in that are very powerful because next to a family, for example, or children, you know, the relationship with the business that you've founded, you know, can be very, very powerful. And of course, it can have lots of family involvement. If it's a family business, it can be about legacy. It can be about next generation. It can be about inheriting something from, you know, previous generations and continuing it and so on. So there can be lots of emotion involved there. And there's always the risk that the founders, the owners of the business, when they've been working in it for a long time, they think of their business like their baby. And uh, they, they also attach a lot of their own self-worth to uh, being the owner of this business and the founder of the business. And uh, that become, can become a blockage to the exit planning process, which no doubt you've been aware of. So Tim, you've now go working as an advisor to businesses, to mid-market businesses, You've got the experience of exiting a business from being an employee. You've got the experience of being a founder, and you've also got the experience of being an investor in the business. How do you conjure up um, all of this type of experience and, and learnings when you apply it in your advisory role today? And, and I guess, I think you mentioned that you focus on, on scaling businesses rather than exit um, as, a, as your focus, but obviously exit planning is a part of that. How do you, Hey, yeah, just to, to recap the question, how do you 
how do you apply all of these learnings and experience and, and, and how do you approach um, working with your clients with that experience and uh, various knowledge? Uh, respectfully is the first word that comes to mind. Um, you know, respecting that every uh, business and the owners of it, you know, everybody is unique. Um, and therefore, um, I think respectfully means just listening first, really paying attention to what the owners are telling me that they want to achieve. Um, respecting also the boundaries of my own expertise. Um, so, you know, what I'm good at is helping entrepreneurs to build scalable businesses. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll take them to scale, but it means that the business is built on very solid foundations and were the opportunity to arise or were they to have the ambition, then, you know, the business would be in good shape to scale. Um, and that will typically be a business that looks quite, you know, in good shape in order to start thinking about exit options and strategies in the event that, that that's what the owner wants. So, um, and I mentioned boundaries because, um, you know, I'm very clear about the boundaries between my role and where my role starts to end, you know, and more specialist advisors like you and Succession Plus start to, you know, need to take center stage. Um, so uh, I think it's about um, listening to the owners firstly. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that I do is, is just help them to start creating momentum around those thoughts that they've got about exit, you know. So, um, but if they've been working with me, uh, as is often the case for a couple of years, you know, this won't be or shouldn't be an entirely new and sudden conversation. You know, if we're building a scalable business, then, then exit or options um, about what they want as a result of building that business should be part of our ongoing dialogue. So, um, you know, you and I have, have talked previously about the fact that, you know, really a business is an asset, you know, and I encourage the business owners I work with to see the business as an asset and to think about it as something that they're building to deliver, you know, a particular outcome or outcomes that they want, respecting that those outcomes can change over time. So, um, and they can change according to others' reactions. For example, family deciding that they don't want to carry on the business or, you know, changes in their own personal circumstances or ambitions. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you're thinking about your business as an asset as you're going along and as an asset designed to deliver a particular set of outcomes, and if you're having that conversation periodically and returning to that agenda, then as you start to approach the point where you want to look at exit more seriously, hopefully that is a, and you've been building a business that is scalable, then hopefully that becomes a smoother transition than the scenario where somebody's just been focused on the operational aspects of their business, you know, driving the P&L um, and, uh, and suddenly start to realize that they're getting tired, reaching an age or whatever the circumstances are where they want to exit, you know, and that demands a very different and dramatic mind shift or, you know, shift in mindset. And that can be harder to achieve. So I think my role and the way that I sort of encapsulate all that experience is actually to try and create that smoother continuum 
Sailor Exit is a sort of more of a natural progression of the work that we've been doing together over previous years rather than a sudden yeah. uh, event. And I think that that can also help create a better timeline um, towards you know, the, the timely development of exit strategies rather than the hurried development of them uh, because somebody suddenly realizes two years out that, that, uh, that they're starting to feel like they've had enough, for example. Well, yeah, you've got to begin with the end in mind. And if you know what the end looks like, then you can head in that direction. Right. Uh, you know what the various options are. You can plan for them rather than just, as you say, you know, just a bit of a knee jerk. Um, you know, we, we see one of the things that becomes a barrier to a, a completing an exit is when the owners, and let's face it, owners, entrepreneurs are very visionary people. They're driven, they're focused. Once they have something in mind that they see that they need to build or work towards, they run at it flat out. And if they don't know where they're going, for example, they don't know what life looks like after they've exited the business, they're just not going there. They're not heading there fast at all. They'll put the brakes on and there'll be all sorts of reasons why not to proceed with the, with the exit. So what we've found is that when business owners know where they're headed and what's next, then that becomes one of the keys. So you might call that a cultural um, you know, style because we've got to get the business owners ready and prepared for exit and you've got to get the business commercials prepared yeah. for exit and yeah. i like what you're saying you're having a scalable business you know they're all the things that will influence the the the, the goodwill valuation if you like the intangibles and you know and what we need to do is get all of the tangibles all of the financial numbers we need to get them prepared and transparent and predictable so that they'll survive a due diligence exercise and we need to get all of the you know the items in place that will protect the business from an unplanned exit as well. So, yeah. yeah, it sounds like you're working on a lot of those things as well, which is fantastic. So given all of your experience, Tim, and we've got an audience of business owners who are looking and, and haven't started their, their exit planning yet, or maybe a long way off, what are some of the tips that you'd love to share and you'd love these listeners to walk away with understanding you know, what they really should know at the beginning of the journey rather than, than too late. Tim's top tips, if you like. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think um, one is the, you know, really the one that, to repeat in a sense what we've said already, you know, adopt an asset mindset from the outset, from the get-go um, and review that periodically and particularly if you have co-owners, you know, if you're in some sort of partnership or um, there's more than one of you that essentially owns the business and will be involved in the, in the uh, exit strategy. Um, you know, I have seen cases where partners' ambitions have dived, you know, have gone in different directions um, to the extent where uh, that has come as a surprise when they've started to talk about exit. They haven't realized because they haven't you know, along the way, had this cause of conversation about what do we want to do with this business ultimately? What do we want to be able to do as a result of having built it? Uh, and, you know, and I have come across business partners who've had incompatible, you know, ambitions about what they want to do. And of course, the energy around that um, would be much easier managed if those conversations were being had as they went along rather than leaving it till the end. So I think one of my pieces of advice would be have this discussion periodically, you yeah. know, about the business as an asset, what you want from it, 
um, what you think you might want from it in the future. It doesn't have to cast anything in stone, but I think um, it's an easy conversation not to have, given all of the demands on your time as an entrepreneur, just running the business day to day, dealing with you know all the other things that we've all got going on in our lives. Um, I think uh, culturally, you know, I would say as well, um, actually encourage your team to understand that the business is an asset. And I've seen this done quite successfully by some owners. So, um, you know, even uh, where people are simply employees of a business, you know, they will be very invested in that business um, and the delivery of the product or the service that that, uh, that, that business exists to, uh, to deliver. But at the same time, it's also a platform for them, you know, that helps them support other aspects of their lives. You know, it's how they earn, it's how they support uh, their families or it's how they support their financial obligations uh, and so on. And I think that it is helpful actually to encourage employees to realize that together, you know, you're all trying to build an asset that will enable all of you to, to in some way, fulfill the things that you want to in life you know whether that's just security of income whether that's personal career progression whether it's just personal growth it can be about enjoyment you know uh, and fulfilling the purpose of the business depending on the 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 uh, purpose of the business and somebody's relationship to it but i think encouraging the team to realize that together we're trying to build something that actually has benefits for all of us you know um it also helps to, uh, in the event that exit comes about, you know, there were people in the business who've been there for a while. And if that conversation has been had ongoing, and I have seen this done very successfully, then the prospect of exit becomes less scary, you know, and, and less of a sort of shock. It's just a sort of natural progression, you know, of that same mindset, you know, and then it can, and then it feels more believable, which is, uh, you know, if the owners then speak to the sort of key employees about, you know, how can we ensure that this asset that we've built continues and continues to provide the things that it's provided so far, reassuring them that that's going to be an important part of the considerations, uh, you know, and of the requirements of the owners going forwards in, in looking for the best exit strategy, which may or may not, you know, involve the employees to a greater or a lesser extent, you know, to things like employee ownership trusts or you know, uh, MBOs, things like that. Employees so, are smart. Yeah. They know that the owners are going to need to exit at some point, you know, yeah. or not. as much as owners want to de deny it and think that the you know, employees are not thinking about that, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, um, and in some ways, it's more, um, I think it's more confidence inspiring to have those conversations and to have them transparently than it is to try and do, you know, just try and carry on with business as usual uh, as if those things never happen. I think the more they can become a natural part of, you know, at the appropriate time, not every day, but a natural part of the conversation with the employees of the business who have started to invest, you know, some serious time and some serious effort and some serious value into the business then then having those sort of conversations ongoing i think can be very helpful Brilliant. if done so, appropriate so start tim's tips uh you know think about the business as an asset as well as an income stream so you know 
start that conversation early, share that conversation with the employees. We call that ownership mindset, create an ownership mindset in the employees as opposed to just employee thinking. Um, and what I heard about all of that was, was basically for the leaders, the owners of the business to have some basically show up as leaders and inspire because leadership is all around, you know, as employees and as humans, I think we like to think about our future where we're in a better place to, than today. And if the owners are showing up in the business, pointing and painting a picture about a better future, then we'll want to go on that journey with them. So, and so what I heard, if you like, is, is, you know, maybe I'm paraphrasing you a bit too much is in every aspect of your life, think about the future and plan a route to get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I also think, uh, you know, another tip would be um, get expert advice, you know, and, and get it earlier rather than later. Yeah. Um, and so that might include involving external parties in the periodic conversations that you have say you know every year every 18 months with your business partners about the evolution of the business and what your ambitions are for it because because it's quite you know it's quite easy to self-deceive it's quite easy to tell oneself that you know come the day you know you'll be quite prepared to for example work an earn out or you know I'm quite prepared to have another boss. And of course I could do that for a couple of years, you know, in pursuit of the exit that I want, no problem, you know. And, uh, and those sort of um, deceptions, self-deceptions can carry on, you know, for a number of years. So there's a, there's a role I think there periodically just to get somebody from the outside to come in and just challenge some of that and say, well, when was the last time the two of you or the three of you or the four of you had a conversation about what you respectively want? Do you each understand what the other's ambitions are? When did you last discuss that? You say that you'll be prepared to do that, would you? Really? You know, and so having some of those challenging conversations um, or clarifying conversations, let's call them as you're going along. Um, and then once exit starts to become or exit planning and exit strategy starts to become something that you want to create some momentum around, then again, get um, advice earlier rather than later because the chances are that the timeline may be longer than you would ideally like. Yep. There's always a, um, an element of luck or chance in it, you know, that the right buyer may or may not be in the market if that's the sort of exit that you're looking for at the time that, that you would most like to transact. So you may have to be patient. Um, and you're buying a lot more than just the sort of technical expertise about preparing the finances and you know presenting the business in the right light and so on. I think you're buying with the right advisors. I think you're buying networks of personal contacts. You're buying insights into the business plans of potential acquirers that you may never even have heard of or be aware of. You know, you're buying access to a type of information uh, and databases and things that are out there that those sorts of advisors may well be able to look into, for example, you know, volumes of transactions going on with businesses like yours in different sectors, what are the things that are driving value and things like that. And those are not the sorts of information that you're going to access easily on your own. Uh, and they could shape significantly um, your expectations um, you know, at an appropriate point while the energy's still calm. 
and while you've still got time to uh, to execute a you know a patient and effective strategy. So there you have it. You know, I think you've, what you've shared there is the wisdom that can only be shared by someone who's been there. So business owners, you know, most of the business owners I talk to who have already been through the exit share something similar to you, you know, whether it's on, on the podcast or not. And they all say, I wish I'd brought an advisor in earlier because just their knowledge, their experience of having walked that path, that exit path before, they, they shared a whole lot of tips which would have made the journey faster and less painful for me. You know, never mind, you know, the actual numbers that we would have got out of it, but the journey would have been a whole lot easier. Whereas, you know, the journey I had, you know, I think one, one person explained it to me, felt like a messy divorce. Yeah. And no one wants that when they get to the end of their yeah. business and they, they're ready to move on to something new. It should be the highlight of their business journey. Okay, Tim, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's wisdom and knowledge that can only come from someone who's been there. So, Tim, look, if, if anyone listening to this wants to get in touch with you and they, they like what they've, they've heard today and they just want to pick your brains a bit more or learn a bit more about what, they, what you do, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, thanks, Daryl. The easiest way is actually via the website, uh, which is www.plannedascent.com. Uh, on the site, there's uh, more information about the services that we offer, but you can also... Um, schedule uh, exploratory or introductory calls there about uh, any of the individual services that we offer um, or indeed just about uh, you know the business in general there's a lot more case studies and testimonials information about me uh, and so on there and of course there's the phone number as well so uh, um, that's the best place to start and um, choose your preferred option from there excellent well thanks for joining us today tim we'll look forward to uh hearing about how things go in the future. Thanks, Daryl.